BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. Now that California is reopening and every adult in the state is eligible for the vaccines, what will dating look like in the months to come? And how will budding romances and newfound intimacy evolve in this phase of the pandemic and in a post-pandemic world? We'll hear your stories and get advice from the experts about how to approach dating, love and intimacy during covid And a note, this episode is about love and dating, but it does mention sex and sexuality. It may not be suitable for all audiences. That's coming up next after the news. Welcome to Forum. I'm your host, Seema Yasmin. I'm a public health doctor and a science journalist. And today we're talking about love and intimacy in this phase of the pandemic. After more than a year of social distancing, many are longing for emotional and physical intimacy, while others are suffering from FODA fear of dating again. So what are the rules, if any, around pandemic dating and intimacy? We want to hear from you. Are Zoom dates here to stay or can you not wait to banish virtual dating forever? And what about the impact of vaccines now? With all adults in California eligible, will dating change? Are you requiring proof of vaccination to swipe right? Give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. We'll hear your stories and get advice about how to approach dating, love and sex during COVID. And a note, this episode mentions sex and sexuality, so it may not be suitable for all audiences. First, I'm delighted to be joined by Carol Queen. Carol is founder of San Francisco Center for Sex and Culture. She's a sex educator and staff sexologist at Good Vibrations. Welcome to Forum, Carol. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Let's start with this phrase, Carol. It keeps coming up. I keep seeing it in magazines, in newspaper articles. Skin hunger. What can you tell us about skin hunger? Skin hunger is sometimes also termed touch hunger. It really refers to uh, the state when you haven't had any contact, physical contact 
with people. And of course it's related to sexuality and sexual intimacy, the, the way ways that bodies uh, dance together in that context, often naked with a lot of skin um, coming in contact with, with another skin, but it can also simply mean human touch. And for some people, um, the touch part, the, the skin hunger is actually at the forefront rather than a sense of sexual desire. Mm-hmm. It's just that for so many people, sex is the the easiest and and most logical way for them to actually get that hunger met. But we've been deprived of even hugs this past year or, or longer, Carol. And even before the pandemic, actually, in medical literature, I'd seen this reference to touch starvation or deprivation for some people, especially singles, perhaps. And I'd even heard of doctors, again, before COVID, recommending massage for some people who are otherwise what they would call touch starved or touch deprived. That wasn't always possible during the pandemic. How have you seen people coping with the absence of physical connection? Well, there are a lot of people, of course, who are uh, fantasizing like wild about what it is they're (laughs) going to be able to do when they uh, are released from their apartment prisons. (laughs) Uh, As I'm sure you know, there are other people who are pretty introverted who who have gotten their introvert on for the first time who are nervous and fearful about this as well regardless of of whether they they miss human touch there's a lot that goes along with that and and so one of the things that i'm hearing certainly seeing through good vibrations is people deciding to make more of a practice of solo pleasuring than they ever have before and um, not only getting the toys but but really taking some time really trying to understand their own sexuality their own basic needs their own maybe not so basic needs and and to be central for themselves in that way now many people think about solo play as you know you you move your hands or your your sex toy wherever it is that uh that the feeling is tickling you but Self-massage can be part of this, too. The whole Hmm. entire body, of course, is a sex or the skin is a sex organ. It's an organ in other ways, of course, as well. But the the, the two organs that people ignore during partner sex or solo sex are the skin and the brain too often. So it's, I think, something to really remind people that they, they have more than the ability to just go get a vibrator and try it out when it comes to taking on some of this responsibility themselves. And then, of course, this is not a sexual thing, but I remember years ago, my wonderful colleague, the surrogate, sex surrogate, Stephen Brown, saying that so many people saw surrogates or or were reliant on their pets hmm. for touch. And, you know, the, the pandemic has been pet world, dogs and cats and other critters come to live with us uh, in greater numbers than ever, partly for this reason, that when you reach your hand out and stroke your dog and cat, unless you've got a really grumpy cat, they are happy to have that contact. They rub against us, they hug us in a way. And so I think that's a piece of how people are coping. Again, I'm not trying to link this up with sexuality, Mm -hmm. except insofar as our sensual selves do 
uh, either crave or um, find it delightful to get that kind of contact. So our furry friends are playing a part as well until the humans can come rushing back in. Yeah, there's even evidence, isn't there, Carol, about the neurotransmitters and hormones that we secrete when we look into our dog's eyes and we give them a cuddle. And certainly in my household, hugs to my dog Lily have increased exponentially in the pandemic. I want to bring in now another guest, Dr. Argovan Salis. Argovan is a doctor who's treated COVID patients in multiple states and cities from New York to Arizona, caring for patients mostly in ICUs that have been overwhelmed. Thank you so much, Argovan, for joining us this morning. Oh, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. And I should say thank you so much for your service and sacrifice as well during this pandemic. Before I start asking you, Argovan, about what's safe, what isn't safe when it comes to dating, especially as more folks get vaccinated, I want to hear about your experiences of dating during the pandemic. So many singles, you could say, are kind of in the same boat because we're going through this crisis collectively. Has that helped at all or has it just compounded the challenges? Oh, I mean, I'm sure it's been different for uh, different people, but for me, it's been really, really tough. Um, You know, I was thinking back to a year ago and what was happening. um, Well, I guess it was maybe more like 13 months ago when we had our shelter in place here in the Bay Area. Um, At that time, I had just started talking to somebody um, who I had met through an app and uh, we ended up talking and by talking, I mean mainly texting, um, for several months as I went to New York um, and, and volunteered there and then came back. And uh, to be honest, I thought I had developed a good relationship with this person. And um, after I had come back from New York, I had said, you know, could we meet? Because actually uh, listening to your last guest, that that hunger for touch at that moment for me was really acute. I think because I had seen so many people dying and I needed to, um, you know, have a real human connection. Anyway, the point is the guy eventually uh, admitted that he was not willing to meet. Um, I don't know. I mean, what he said was that it was because of um, my exposure to COVID and mm-hmm. some anxiety that he was having. Um, I don't know if that was it or or not. I mean, I'll never know. Um, but that was certainly disappointing. And mm-hmm. then um, since then, of course, I've gone on to meet multiple other people, um, although I've met many more people virtually on Zoom than I have in person. Um, and that in and of itself is very awkward and challenging. Um, you know, meeting, nobody loves Zoom meetings, right? But mm-hmm. like meeting a stranger on Zoom and trying to decide whether you want to risk exposing yourself to this person because they might be uh, worth uh, getting to know better um, is really, really weird. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's that's been definitely part of the dating experience. And then, you know, let's say you you do meet someone on Zoom or otherwise, and then you want to continue meeting with them. There's so few things we can do safely uh, with strangers these mm. days. Um, there's no concerts to go to. There's no comedy shows. Um, there's just, do you want to go for a walk or do you want to go sit outside at a restaurant? That's pretty much right. like at least all I've been able to come up with. Um, so that's pretty uh, unusual too. And it gets pretty old after a while. Um, and, and it's hard to know at what point do you I don't know, invite somebody into your home um, and invite them to be unmasked with you indoors. Um, That's definitely uh, not clear. You know, there's no public health guidance for that. Um, 
And do you do that with multiple people? Uh, you know, can you be inviting multiple different people into your home? Not at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, is that safe to then expose one person to the other person's, uh, you know, breath essentially through you? I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, very confusing to tell the truth. It's a, it's a lot to navigate because on the one hand, we're talking about people missing hugs and just missing physical intimacy. And then also on the, on the other hand, many people are looking at everyone as a potential risk of exposure, right? It's a, a lot to mm-hmm. grapple with. I want to ask you, Argavan, that now with 40% of Californians 18 and older having received at least one COVID vaccine and more than 20% being fully vaccinated, what do you tell us? What can you tell us? that's safe when it comes to dating? I mean, I I definitely think um, being outdoors is always pretty safe, especially if you can maintain some distance and wear or or wear a mask or both. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's far as people being vaccinated, if you have two fully vaccinated people, um, it should be safe to meet indoors um, without masks. The CDC guidance suggests that vaccinated people can um, mingle with other vaccinated people without too much risk. Of course, we're seeing now that there are some COVID infections arising in people who have been fully vaccinated, although they're pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Um, so always being cautious is is good and important. Um, but the main thing I would say um, is the guidance still suggests that we should not have medium or large size gatherings, Mm -hmm. um, even among fully vaccinated people. But that means if you're going on a date with one person um, and they're vaccinated and you're vaccinated, it's probably safe to um, meet indoors without Mm -hmm. masks. That's not to say that necessarily it's safe to go um, dining indoors. Um, You know, I think that's controversial, but Mm -hmm. uh, I personally am not doing that. Um, But I would be open to having someone in my home or going to their home without masks. Wonderful. And Argvan, we'll come back to more of these questions about what's safe, what isn't after the break when we'll also be joined by a dating coach and dating expert. Please give us a call. What are your post-vaccine dating plans? You can reach us at 866-733-6786. We'll be back with much more after this short break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Seema Yasmin, and we've been talking about love, dating, and intimacy during COVID. I've been joined by sexologist Carol Queen and Dr. Argavan Salis, who's been caring for COVID patients around the country. We want to hear from you, so please give us a call or get in touch on Twitter with your questions and perhaps tell us about your plans for dating in a post-COVID world, or at least in a more COVID-vaccinated world. Argavan, I'm sure you're getting tons of questions and you were just touching on what is safe, what isn't safe. Any other advice you have given? The public health guidance has either sometimes been patchy when it comes to what you can and can't do after vaccination, or it's just been really quickly evolving and it can be quite confusing. 
Oh, yeah, it's definitely been very confusing. Um, I, I think it's great to see people getting vaccinated. Obviously, the more people who get vaccinated, the better off we all will be. And this is globally, obviously, not just in the United States. Um, I think in terms of each of us and, and doing what we can to be safe. We have to also remember the other people in our lives. Um, so mm -hmm. that's something that's really different in the pandemic as compared to before, right? You, before you could, you know, honestly date whoever you wanted and multiple people if you wanted, if that was your thing. Um, and you would only be risking, if anything, maybe yourself and these partners. But now we're bringing in everyone else we associate with, right? Whether it's people in your bubble, whether you're broadening your bubble a little bit now, um, which some people might be doing you're ex still exposing all of those people to, to whatever you're exposing yourself to. And I think that doesn't change just because we have vaccines. Um, of course, we have uh, some data that suggests that vaccines are protective even from transmis transmitting the mm -hmm. virus, but clearly not 100%, right? And so, um, you know, when I'm thinking about exposures for myself, I'm a young, um, healthy person, but my mom is not young. Um, and so I'm always thinking about what risk am I putting her and our close family um, at based on my exposure. So I think I would, I personally will continue to think that way um, mm -hmm. and continue to mask whenever I can, whenever it's practical. I will say, I think it's really challenging when you're um, dating someone in the early stages to determine when you can kiss them. Um, because, mm. you know, if you're, uh, say, outdoors, if you're meeting outdoors, most people, if they're walking around, say, a neighborhood, um, aren't going to just stop and uh, and kiss each other out in the public. Um, if you're eating at a restaurant um, and you're sitting outdoors, there's no cozy booths that you could sit in. Um, so that seems like a little bit less inaccessible in terms mm -hmm. of a place to kiss. So I, I think um, people are having to be a lot more intentional about, okay, are we going to now take off these masks and kiss? Um, so that takes maybe a little bit of the uh, romance and spontaneity mm -hmm. out of it a little bit. But I think for me personally, I, I still prioritize being safe, even if it means there might be some awkwardness around those moments. Right. Lots of awkwardness. Dr. Salas, thank you so much for joining us, sharing your experiences and offering some guidance about what is and isn't safe when dating during COVID. It's been great talking with you. I want to now bring in Josh Galossi, who's a contributing writer at QWERTY, an LGBTQ news and entertainment site. Josh, thank you for being on Forum today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I understand, Josh, that your own dating experiences over the past year have been compounded with already existing challenges that you were facing in dating before COVID. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So as someone with a disability, I think dating in general is hard, right? You know, there's just so many barriers and things that you have to kind of work through um, as you navigate dating. And I think, you know, just the pandemic has just added a whole new, a new layer to that. And so, um, yeah. And with me too, I know I was in a long-term relationship up until, you know, maybe five months ago. And so, for me, having to get back on the apps in the middle of a pandemic, both as someone who is disabled, um, it's it's been a it's been a real journey. We'll be hearing in a little bit, Josh, from a dating coach who works with OKCupid, and we'll be learning how our interactions with dating apps have changed during the pandemic. Yeah. What's your experience been um, as a disabled queer man? Were you already using those apps before when you were single, um, or is your engagement with them new? 
Yeah. So actually the apps have been kind of a godsend for, you know, as someone with a disability, it can be kind of hard to know when to share that part of myself with somebody that I'm dating. And so the apps have really helped me be able to do that. You know, I think for me personally, I'm able to decide, you know, when to disclose my disability to somebody who, who I'm interested in. And I think the apps in particular just help with that because, you know, you're able to talk with the person before they even see you or know that you're disabled. And so you can kind of establish a connection um, that way. Mm-hmm. I want to bring in now Rhonda Girard, who is the author of a new memoir. Rhonda, um, the memoir is called Love is an Ex-Country, and Rhonda identifies as a polyamorous queer woman. Welcome to the show, Rhonda. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So tell us about your experiences of dating, navigating intimacy and boundaries during the pandemic. During the pandemic, I kind of went from having um, multiple partners and being non-monogamous to really coming, bringing it down to one partner um, because uh, she had, you know, lots of conditions and uh, um, health issues that made it so that I wanted to make her my priority. Um, but, you know, as someone who wants to practice non-hierarchical dating, it was quite challenging to not only become monogamous, but also to, you know, create uh, a more privileged position for one partner. Hmm. Um, and that that was really challenging. But also at the same time, I felt a lot of growth from that experience. So no regrets there. Did uh, queer poly dating apps help you navigate that, Rhonda? What was helpful? Yeah, I really enjoyed being on Lex, which is, uh, it feels more of a, like an analog type of dating site. There's no photos, it's just text. Um, and it's not a very busy app. It's a very, in terms of just appearance. Um, and so it just felt like being on the classifieds in mm. the 80s or 90s or something, <laughs> where you're just really engaging with people and telling stories and, you know, talking without meeting up or without any plans to. So that was that was definitely interesting. We are talking about dating and intimacy, love and sexuality during the pandemic. We want to hear from you. So give us a call now at 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook or at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. I want to go to the phones now and take a call from Austin, who's in Berkeley. Welcome, Austin. Hi. Um, so my comment was sort of about the fear of dating again. It's it's not so much the fear of dating. It's the fear of, oh, what if this pandemic ends? And that was my last sort of excuse. And I still can't find anybody. There's just still nobody out there for me. What, is, what does that mean or say about me? Hmm. Carol, I wonder if we can go to you with Austin's question. Yeah, I, you know, I think that one of the things that I really see people having difficulty with is the notion that there's there's one for us, you know, regardless mm -hmm. of whether we're we're out and and dating around, whether we're polyamorous, there's still this this sort of bottom line of of pair bonding that 
we we've been living in that bubble for much longer than a year Mm -hmm. you know that that affects what people expect desire and as i think i hear in austin's question um a sense of sort of self-image challenge Mm -hmm. and i really want to encourage people to to take the wisdom of wow i've had to sort of look inward um during the pandemic time and i know that finding our person or persons is is a drive and a delight um, a priority and something that's very very meaningful to many of us but we also have much more insight now from our friends in the asexual community and the aromantic spectrum we want to remember that there are many many ways to be surrounded by community and love connection and care and that sexuality is ours, not, here's my sexology joke I always like to give when I'm talking about this. It's not just someday my prince or princess will come and so will I, (laughs) or princeling if you are non-binary. And I I want everyone who is fearful of, of not finding someone and being good enough to go out and to the degree they feel comfortable, yeah. including just meaning going on the apps and finding people that seem wonderful to communicate with. Just start with that delight because many of us have not had enough of that in the last mm-hmm. year. Things will grow from there. Don't put too many expectations on yourself when you step out there. Yeah. Thank you, Carol. Let me go back to Josh. Josh, I hear you got the vaccine recently, and I'm interested how that shifted your perspective. How might that change the way you look at dating now? Yeah, absolutely. So I just received my second dose a couple weeks ago. And I think for me, it just given me a new sense of hope. Like I think just being able to know that I'm vaccinated and that if I do, you know, meet somebody, I do feel a lot safer you know, meeting up with them and, you know, going on a date or, you know, having dinner outdoors. Um, It's just given me a lot of, yeah, a lot of, a lot of hope and a sense of safety. Rhonda, what's your perspective on how dating might evolve because of the pandemic? What might the next months look like? Uh, That's a good question. Um, I'm vaccinated also. So from what I'm telling and hearing from, from friends and folks out there is, that people are flirting very heavily <laughs> in person. People are, you know, uh, eager to um, meet up and and hang out with folks. Um, I think that, you know, for a long time we were unable to like go on cute dates to museums or you know s- spaces that are not outdoors mm-hmm. um, to the movies or wherever. So I'm. I'm excited for folks to kind of have that more like maybe longer um, period of wooing each other and getting to know each other more and communicating better the way um, that Carol is talking about, you know, taking the pressure off of um, meeting up right away. Um, But also like, you know, I'm also hearing about people meeting up right away and feeling safe enough to do that. Um, So I can see a lot more uh, seed dating events and um, especially in queer communities, 
more cruising events and events where folks can um, actually get to see each other in person for the first time in a while. Thank you, Rhonda. And thank you so much to Josh as well for joining us today. I want to bring in Damona Hoffman. Damona is a dating coach and host of the podcast Dates and Mates. And you may have also seen her in the TV series Black Love. She's OkCupid's dating expert. So Damona, welcome to Forum. Thank you. So glad to be here. You know, as OkCupid's dating expert, I feel like you have access to all this troves of information and analytics. I want to ask you because there have been phases to the pandemic, right, in terms of transmission, in terms of different waves, and also in terms of our behavior. So what have you seen in terms of a shift in dating practices over the last 14 months? Oh, boy, I have seen quite a big shift. And I'm really excited to work with OkCupid because, yes, I do have access to all of this this data now. But I've been coaching singles on dating for over 15 years. I've started as a dating profile writer way back then, met my husband online at that time. And so I've seen tremendous shifts over the last 14 months. I feel like we've almost been in in three different phases. There was the very beginning phase when everyone was just just looking for ways to connect and thought oh this will be this will be a cute diversion i'll sign up for a dating profile mm-hmm. for you know a few weeks and then people were making connections but no one was moving offline and so virtual dating really took the lead at that point then over the summer as things started opening up more people were moving more to social distance dates. Then as numbers increased in the fall, we saw more of a contraction and people also were moving back to the virtual dates. And so now overall, what we're seeing is that online dating has definitely surged within the pandemic. As some of your callers said earlier, Mm -hmm. it has provided a way for people to still connect and get that need met. But we are in a very weird time as some people yeah. are vaccinated and others are not. There are a lot of changing, uh, changing behaviors, changing attitudes, and there's still a lot of fear around moving offline and actually moving into relationships. Yes. And on this point about commitment, we have a comment from Vicky, and I'd be so curious to hear your thoughts on this, Demona. Vicky says, I've been dating during the pandemic. The problem is you have to commit quickly. You can't date a few people at one time, which is what I prefer to do until you know you want to spend more time with someone. The last guy I saw for a few weeks called me his girlfriend after date three. Um, no, I had to tell him if we are not that yet, we're just exploring, but we may be at some point if it's mutually agreed to. Vicky adds that she'll be fully vaccinated later this month. She says, I will continue to be smart while dating and keep it outside for as long as I can and see one person at a time. She does worry, though, she keeps saying about this commitment thing. How would you counsel her, Demona? Because she's not alone in this. She's certainly not alone. I do hear that story. And and it really is reflective of what we're seeing on the dating apps. And also on my podcast, Dates and Mates, I had the editors of Cosmo magazine this week and Esquire, who did a study with the Kinsey Institute. And they are reporting based on this study that that we're ending hookup culture, that we are moving into a hmm. new commitment generation due to our experiences within the pandemic. So what your 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 caller said is mm-hmm. 
Exactly right. People are wanting to move into commitment very quickly once they get past that filtering stage that's now happening online through either phone calls or virtual dates or texting. They want to move fast and and then couple up so that they can know who's in their bubble and that they're safe. So for some people, it's happening a little bit too fast. Mm -hmm. For others, they like to know that that they don't have to be dating around in this mm-hmm. phase yeah. and that it's actually okay to commit to one person for a period of time until they decide that they maybe not are not are not a fit and are ready to move on. You know, we are talking about dating and intimacy, this need for touch, feeling touch deprived. At the same time, we are let's be real, grieving. There's been so much loss. And we have this comment from Kim who says, my fiance died shortly before the pandemic. I know a few people who lost relatives to COVID. The world has changed so much that getting out there again after such loss and grief feels unknown and scary. Kim, I'm so sorry for your loss. Carol, I wonder if you have thoughts for Kim about how to deal with that while mourning. Yes, you know, at uh, we've been doing um, events at Good Vibrations via Zoom. Thank you, Zoom, for making the last year possible for all of us. And uh, we had the wonderful Joan Price last week, who has written a book about sex and grief. She's better known as a, you know, our our sex and aging expert, and she's a delightful person. But she really, she really emphasized that. That, that we each go through grief in a different way, that there isn't any right or wrong uh, way to take on the feelings that are associated with this, but that we have to take them seriously. Yeah. That sometimes grief leaves us much more cut off from the even the desire right. to, to be with others. But then also there's the, the touch hunger, hunger, the intimacy hunger. Thank you, Carol. Stay with us. After the break, we'll talk about the future of dating and learn what HIV AIDS education can teach us about dating during this pandemic. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Seema Yasmin, and we're talking about dating and intimacy in a pandemic. I've been speaking with Carol Queen, a sex educator and staff sexologist at Good Vibrations, and Damona Hoffman, dating coach and host of the podcast Dates and Mates. Carol, we're talking about COVID, but this is not the first time that a virus has drastically changed the way we navigate intimacy, the way that we talk about love and sexuality. In fact, you moved to San Francisco in 1981 at the height of another pandemic. Tell us about your experiences in those early days of HIV. 
I came to San Francisco uh, to, to get my degree in sexology, but with the, the notion, the hope and, and expectation that I would somehow enter the world of um, safer sex education, of, of AIDS support. And, and to, to a degree, I certainly did that. I launched into work at Good Vibrations, writing and other things too. But, but in the 1980s, you know, there's some, some older queer people in the community and and others too who have been friends and allies for a long time are having some real backlash hmm. in this pandemic because the the AIDS epidemic was so profoundly um, powerful and and difficult to navigate there was in the first place uh, a community that that talked about it all the time and was very much in the crosshairs surrounded not so much in San Francisco but uh, all around the country though with a, a, a larger community that didn't seem to, to to prioritize it so at least we are mostly all in this boat together this mm-hmm. time yeah and, and during the AIDS epidemic we really needed to learn and this is something that I think is relevant now very relevant I've heard it come up already in the discussion we needed to learn to be clear and direct in our communication about what we wanted, about what our expectations were. We needed to talk about whether or not we had risk factors. Um, we needed to take precautions based on those risk factors. We needed to suss out whether we could trust whether the person we were speaking to was lying to us or not. Right. <laughs> you know, is it a fake vaccine passport or is mm-hmm. it a real vaccine? And you know, we had no vaccine passports in those days. There were people who, who wanted them, but then there was such a such a sort of a, a right-wing homophobic surround that that would have been a dangerous thing to carry around in right. your wallet for some people. Right. So today, the other thing is really getting really getting realistic about the, the mechanics of sex and connection and intimacy. And in those days, it was barrier methods, condoms. We have a new barrier method now. It's a mask. Mm-hmm. And... It, I think we need to look at the fetishists and the kinky people among us to, to, to be inspired by the fact that some people are actually wearing their dang masks during sex. Mm-hmm. There are some, there are some frisky young porn people who have made masked porn to inspire the rest of us to know that you can do this. There are people who are like, is facing away a position that will be a little safer than face to face? Well, a little safer, yeah. Let me let me get Demona's response to some of the questions we've been getting, some of the comments, because Demona RS has tweeted to us. I've liked that there's external rationale for having difficult conversations up front. And I'm worried about losing that when vaccination leads to a pendulum swing. Thank you so much for that tweet, RS. I think that is a fascinating phenomenon that during the pandemic, it kind of gives us all this level playing field to talk about risk and talk about safety. Damona, what do you say to that? Well, I would say that Iris needs to remember that she is in control of her dating destiny. So you can always bring that level of transparency and authenticity Mm -hmm. to your dating. And even though other people may revert back, there will still be plenty of opportunities for challenging conversations around STIs, around politics. The, the, The opportunity for those conversations will not go away. So I really encourage her and all of your listeners to still 
bring that sort of energy into their dates going forward, whether or not they're met with that same level of authenticity up front. Yeah, for a new generation, this is a new experience, I would think, about discussing those boundaries, talking about safety. And to your point, Damona, April writes in with this question, oh, this comment, health and personal safety are important in dating and sex. I feel more people are concerned about contracting COVID-19 than sexually transmitted diseases. Also, maybe the risk will make people more thoughtful when selecting their sex partners. Carol, let me ask you about this because I've been also thinking about the what's known as the San Francisco model of safer sex education, which I believe was really pioneered in the early to mid 80s. And so I'm thinking, what can we learn about the language of HIV AIDS education? Uh, What can it teach us about navigating intimacy during this pandemic? Well, again, being being frank with people about really upfront about asking one another about their risk factors, about other and, and, and that involves getting informed too but the but the san francisco model was also partly that this was so common at least in the the queer and and closely allied communities that that people didn't have to come up against their own sense of shyness and oh i can't be that frank as much as we might feel that we have to now because everyone who was out there was having those kinds of conversations. You know, it was it was easy and common, really, to say, "Do you have a condom with you? I what are your what are your own uh, safety rules as far as sexual intimacy goes?" And thinking about what those are for yourself before you get out there, I think, is a really important insight from the San Francisco model and the the whole way we talked about it. Like, what are your what are your expectations? What are your preferences? When we mm-hmm. talk about negotiating safer sex, we really have to to be consensual and non um, uh, non coercive. We have to land at the more conservative or more more concerned, barriered partners' preferences in what you do going forward. And if you're having to talk to people on an intimate level like this. It's another way of sorting personality when you're mm. dating. I just really want to point that out. Mm-hmm. If you if you find it hard to have these communications, it might be just as hard to tell somebody later that you want a little bit softer touch on your clitoris or whatever it might be. So be aware of of how you're being received when you want to have these important conversations. And, you know, as a a public health physician, we are really trained to think about a spectrum of risk and safety. So even in the sense of COVID, if somebody says, is this activity safe? If I'm outdoors, I'm wearing a mask. We never really use that word safe. We try and think about safer, what's riskier or what's less risky. So it's really about these gradations, I think. We're talking about love and dating during COVID, the challenges that presents, What are your post-vaccine dating plans? Did you pause dating during the pandemic? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Demona, you said earlier that COVID could signal the end of hookup culture. Did you really mean that? That's what the Kinsey Institute study that they did with Cosmo and Esquire said. I, I will say, I'm, I think the jury is still a little bit out on this. I think as we are seeing 
uh, things opening up more. And, you know, you were talking about skin hunger earlier in the show that people are going to be really eager to get that connection. But people are still at this point a little bit a little bit nervous about it. And the FODA is is really coming into play. It's asking that question of how do I re-enter dating? And we actually did ask OkCupid users and 75% of them said that they would go on a double date with their friend this year. So I don't know from a risk assessment <laughs> profile how you would feel about that, but from a dating comfort level, um, a lot of people are are looking at different ways to get back into the dating pool mm-hmm. when maybe their dating skills have been a little bit rusty. Yeah, you mentioned FODA, Damona. FODA is fear <laughs> of dating again. And we have one listener saying, should I include my vaccination status in my dating profile? What is okay and not okay to say about that, Damona? <laughs> There's even a term for that, vaccinating. Oh, what? <laughs> when you date by vaccine status. <laughs> and I even had a listener of my podcast, Dates and Mates, say that somebody had broken up with her, broken off the match because they found a match who was already vaccinated and they were vaccinated. So they thought it just had a better shot. and They didn't want to go out anymore. But what we're seeing on OkCupid is that Many people, seven out of 10 people said that they are planning to take the vaccine. Of course, not everyone Mm -hmm. has had access to it or been able to. Those who say they're getting the vaccine did receive 5% more conversations and 6% more incoming likes than those who didn't. Hmm. But I wouldn't say date by vaccine status because I do think that's short term thinking. Ultimately, I'm looking, I'm steering my clients to date by common goals and values and those more long-term factors that are going to ultimately make a difference. We've done it already now for 14 months. We can still virtual date a little bit longer if it means finding the love of your life. Let's take a call now. Let's hear from Erica in Walnut Creek. Hi, Erica. Hello. Good morning. Good morning to you. What's your question? Yes, I just wanted to say that... um, I met, uh, we met online about a, a year ago now, almost um, over a year ago, but we managed to be dating um, throughout, you know, with the closures and everything and met up with once a, um, a week or twice a week. I was just wondering now that everything is opening up, um, now I think he's try- he's getting a little bit more, wanted more commitment now, you know. Now um, he's just invited me to his place after over a year. And I don't know how I feel about that, you know. I'm so used to everything being closed. Mm-hmm. I felt safe not going to his place or, you know. So I, I, I just don't know how to handle that. We're not young. We're in our 60s. Well, congratulations on your dating. Let's ask our dating expert, Damona, for for advice for Erica. Well, I would ask Erica what she wants out of the relationship. Mm -hmm. It has been a year and I am seeing a lot of these these kind of hurry up and slow down relationships as people are figuring out if their, you know, their quarantine pen pal is really the real thing or not. But I, I mean, I just got my second vaccination. So I can relate to that, that ten- tentative feeling of, is it really okay now to move indoors with people that we've been virtually, virtually talking to for so long? But the question is, does she want this relationship to proceed 
or not, because if if it is going to, they're going to have to get out into the real world, probably do some more traditional dates. And there's still many things that you can do right now, um, apart from just the the walk and the and the the uh, dinner outdoors that um, one of your guests mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. You could go for a picnic. You could do there's outdoor shows. You could go on a boat ride. You could play a sport like golf or tennis. There are options. You just have to be a little bit more creative to yeah. find dates that will be exciting for you. Yeah, Dr. Arga Van Salis, a, a doctor caring for lots of COVID patients, was talking about that earlier. I sense from Erica, though, it's both this idea of when, like the timing of it, when is it okay to take it from online to in-person dates and also just psychologically, how do we get back into that? And, and related, we have a call from Daniel in Oakland. Daniel, welcome to Forum. Thank you. Yeah, I... Um... I'm a man um, looking to date other men, and I've really just been struggling. I feel like it should be like a, riding a bicycle, and um, I should just be able to get back on the bicycle, but I'm really struggling trying to get back into the swing of things. Damona, do you have dating advice for Daniel? Very slowly, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> just, you know, take it one interaction at a time. Again, I always come back to what my daters goals are. And I let that really dictate what their dating plan should be. But beginning just with the virtual dates, and my suggestion is to really set a time for a virtual date to make it still feel special, not just like, you know, hey, are you around or just showing up and calling them out of the blue, but set it up so that it it really can build that anticipation. And that to me is what what increases chemistry as you space out interactions over time and you can you can make the the heart grow fonder through the absence in between those interactions that you will naturally start to know how to accelerate those interactions that you're having and since you are okay cupid's dating expert demona i'm curious to hear from kate who's calling in from richmond a first timer when it comes to online dating good morning kate can you hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you fine. So at the start of the pandemic, I was very afraid, and I'd been seeing a man for about two years, and I was unceremoniously dumped over text. Oh, no. And so after a while, I decided I wanted to see someone or at least connect with someone, so I tried OkCupid, and it was my very first experience with any sort of online dating And I've met a man and we've been spending time together, just the two of us hold up and it's been wonderful. We're having a great time. And this was your first time trying out online dating, Kate? It was. I think that was a new experience for many people, right, Demona? Wow. I am so happy to hear that story, Kate. Just I, I love, love and I love hearing that it is possible. And especially for a first timer. Hey, can you hear me? heard horror stories about about what online dating would be like. So I'm really glad to hear that you had a wonderful experience and that you two are really moving things on to the next phase. And I would also like to just encourage other listeners who maybe have had online dating experiences that haven't been as successful because of course results may vary <laughs> and, and not everyone meets someone that first go around to really just take this time to work on your dating profile get clear yourself what you're looking for and and go back out and try it again if you haven't made that connection yet because dating apps really do work. I'm not saying this as the OkCupid dating expert. I'm saying this as someone who met my husband online and has helped 
hundreds of clients do this over the years. This is the primary method for meeting people today. And especially as we are in this post COVID or hybrid uh, pandemic landscape, we really need to embrace the technology as we have in all of these other areas of our lives. It's really there to help us make connections in the virtual world that ultimately will lead to connections in the real world. And Damona, for first timers like Kate, perhaps who haven't gotten lucky yet, what advice do you have in our last minute or so about what to put on profiles or just how to navigate online dating during a pandemic? Well, the profile is everything. That is really your calling card. That's what brings the bees to, that's the honey for the bees, right? <laughs> so a um, couple quick tips on the profile. I say you need to have the three C's in your dating profile photos. That's color, context, and character. Color is to stand out, make your profile really pop from a lineup or a swipe of many other photos. Context, telling your story through your photos. And character is really showing that personality, that extra piece that makes someone say, this isn't just a nice profile or a pretty face. This is someone I would really connect with and actually want to meet. Wonderful, Demona. And thank you so much to Carol as well. We've been talking about dating and intimacy during COVID, what that might look like in the months to come with sexologists Carol Queen and Demona Hoffman. Carol and Demona, thanks for joining us. Carol, do you have any last minute advice for those? We have about 30 seconds left for people thinking about intimacy in the, in the pandemic. I just want people to to really use this time now to as Demona said, think about what it is they want because what they want now may be different and this is a time to really start to assess that. It's okay to have changed. The world has changed. Thank you so much, Demona and Carol, for this fascinating conversation. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Seema Yasmin. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. 
New episodes of Soul to Story are available now.